This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by the Maryland Institute College of Art. MICA's online graduate program in information visualization trains designers and analysts to translate data into compelling visual narratives. Join expert faculty such as Andy Kirk, Marissa Peacock, and John Schwabish to mine the data and design the story. For more information, go to mica.edu backslash MPS invis. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. We're going to have a little change of pace this week. We're going to go directly into some tools. I'm here with John Ekampora from Excel Campus, and we are going to talk about how to improve the way you work with Excel, a lot of the stuff that John's been doing with his uh, blog posts and video tutorials. And also, uh, I want to talk a little bit about where he sees the future of Excel and some of the data visualization tools that are currently available and now sort of coming online and, and uh, possibly changing the field. John, welcome uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is great. Um, I'm glad I was able to get you on the show. We talked uh, at length uh, last year about things that you're doing at Excel Campus, some really great videos and tutorials. So. I was hoping we might start by just having you um, tell folks a little bit about yourself and about the work that you're doing at Excel Campus. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, so my website is excelcampus.com, and I basically have a blog there where I write articles and share tips and techniques about how to save time with your everyday Excel tasks. My, uh, my background is in accounting and corporate finance, so a lot of my content is geared towards that, but also working with data to create reports, analysis, and financial modeling, and that kind of stuff. So my content is uh, kind of all over the place, I guess. I mean, I cover everything from keyboard shortcuts all the way up to writing macros and VBA to automate tasks. So it's, a, it's kind of a, a bit all over the place, but that's when you work with Excel, that's kind of where you land is in a world of you need to know everything to create a visualization or a dashboard you can't just know how to use charts. You got to know how to write formulas and how to cleanse your data and all this kind of stuff. So I, I kind of try and cover it all there. Right. And uh, and I also have a YouTube channel, uh, the Excel Campus YouTube channel, where I post a lot of videos and uh, tutorials about Excel as well. So let's talk a little bit about VBA because the videos that I've gone through on the site tend to be the VBA ones because that's the thing I'm most interested in at the moment. Yeah, I sort of get the feeling that for a lot of people, VBA is the under the hood background part of Excel. And for a lot of Excel users, coding is is maybe for a lot of people, I think it's sort of coding sort of turns people off. So how do you make VBA something that's accessible for everyone and encourage people to use VBA either to just be more efficient or to do things that the defaults in the tool don't allow them to do? Yeah, it's, that's a really good question. It's not easy to do in terms of training people on how to use VBA. I mean, my initial exposure with VBA was I was doing like accounting and kind of financial analyst roles where you tend to start to do the same task over and over again, right? Like mm -hmm. just writing the same report every week and copying and pasting data and all this stuff. So my first exposure to it was just to kind of learn how to automate some of these tasks that I was getting really bored with doing day in and day out. It took me a long time to really understand what I was doing. You know, everyone kind of starts with a macro recorder 
yeah. uh, or typically does. You know, that's a great way to start the macro recorder. It just basically records everything you do in Excel. It spits out code and you can go look at that code and try and make sense of it. And it's not too difficult to make sense of, but uh, you still then have to understand what it's all doing. Like if you then want to yeah. go write your own, it's really challenging to take that code and then say, okay, I want, but I want it to do this instead. You know, I want it to copy and paste to this sheet or maybe all these sheets or whatever you want to do, you know? So yeah, it's hard to generalize it by just using the recorder. Exactly. And it, and the recorder also for people that have used the recorder and haven't really started coding yet, the recorder also gives you a lot of unnecessary code. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tracking all of your movements which you don't necessarily need when you're running a macro. You don't need to select a cell before you paste right. data there, you know, that kind of thing. Back to your question, to make it a little more accessible, uh, I've tried to relate it to kind of everyday common tasks. Uh, I have a video that introduces you how to uh, write your first macro, and mm-hmm. I explain the object model there. And even the word object model sounds yeah. kind of scary, right? It's like, what is an object model? But uh, basically, if you just think about all the objects in Excel or everything you work with in Excel is a spreadsheet or a chart or a pivot table, those are all objects. And so I've tried to relate how you program those to like how maybe tools in your kitchen, you know, so just something very simple uh, to, to relate something scary to something that you're familiar with, like mm-hmm. the tools in your kitchen, your coffee maker, it has these properties, you know, it might be hot, it might have certain level of water in it, it might do perform certain functions, right? Like, make your coffee for you. So um, that I've tried to kind of relate how you might think about common everyday tasks, and then turn that into how you can kind of code and program. So and explain it in that way, because it's very, it is very challenging for the average person to just start pick up coding and and try and make sense of all this. Yeah. Especially with Excel. Excel's such a broad beast, really. I mean, it, there's so many things going on, and everyone's need is different. Everyone's problem is different, mm-hmm. right? We're trying to solve those uh, in a simple manner, but it's, it's not always easy. Right. Yeah, I think that's certainly true for, for a lot of people who are using Excel sort of day-to-day. They're not coders, right? They're using Excel. And I think that's another reason why some of the, the pivot table stuff is so valuable for people and, and some of the other things. Yeah, um, and it's, it's also like... In some way, the average Excel user is a bit of a coder in the sense that mm-hmm. even if you're writing a formula, that's, yeah, that's really, true. you're starting to create an application in some sense. You know, if it's, it could be an interactive financial model where you input numbers and it spits out information. It could be as simple as clicking a slicer and your whole chart changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some sense, you are kind of programming a spreadsheet, you know, and then to take it to the next step, you can automate a lot of that the heavy lifting uh, by writing macros in in VBA. Yeah, so I think that's true. So that raises sort of an interesting question for me because a lot of the the formulas that you can do in Excel, they have some sort of additional arrays and options that you can or or don't have to include. And yet, so VLOOKUP as an example allows you, you know, if if you don't change the last argument, it gives you a default. Do you think that's a a good practice for Excel (laughs) to have as a default instead of, forcing the user to like set those or is that just like the way it's built is like let's just make it as easy as possible and people just have to learn to be aware of that yeah i mean the vlookup one is such a good question i actually just published a whole video tutorial uh series on vlookup and the lookup formulas 
And uh, that one is so confusing, right? That last mm-hmm. argument defaults to true, right? Which means that if you know, it's basically going to do a closest match or an approximate match instead of an exact match. Which is ninety-eight percent of the time you use a VLOOKUP, you want an exact match. Yep. And so, I think it's almost something that's just left over from originally. Maybe not. I don't want to say thought wasn't put into it, mm-hmm. but they didn't know how important it would be. 10, 15 years down the oh, line, yeah. Right. you know, yeah, <laughs> like that VLOOKUP itself is just one of those key elements, like key skills that every Excel user is going to need at some point, whether they know it or not, they're going to use it or they probably going to need it. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, so something is that important, like, and I can see how Microsoft can't necessarily go and change the formula now because it breaks older versions. Old, there's compatibility yeah, issues. Yeah, right. There's compatibility you know? issues. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love if they created a whole new function that was similar, to, like a lookup function that didn't require the complexity that yeah. VLOOKUP does. Because it's a complex formula and it takes some time to, yeah, sure to really understand it. VLOOKUP V2, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, when it comes to the they, you're mm-hmm. an Excel MVP. Yeah. So you get to talk to the they. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it means to be an MVP and, and what the conversations are like when you talk to the Microsoft folks or when you talk to other MVPs, what that, what that dialogue and what those conversations are like? Yeah, sure. For those that don't know, the Microsoft MVP is an award that's given out to people in the community that basically contribute uh, a lot of their time to teaching other people about the Microsoft technology. So in my case, I'm an Excel MVP, which is an award. It's not like a certification or anything. So the benefit to that is uh, I get to be part of a group that communicates with the Excel team at Microsoft, the product managers that actually work on the product and give us all these great features and stuff. So uh, the the dialogue's great. I mean, there's an open kind of email uh, loop or distribution channel that we can just email the team directly if we have problems or suggestions. And uh, they're always asking for our feedback, which is really cool. And yeah. they, they're also, at least lately, I've only been an MVP for two years, but they're very focused on getting all user feedback, just not just these MVPs, but uh, feedback from the entire world, you know, all the Excel users out there uh, to try and to improve the product. So mm-hmm. they're very focused on that, which is really cool. And it's cool to really see the people behind the product and meet them. Like we get to go to a conference once a year in Redmond in Washington and actually meet the team and spend a week with them. And we get to see what they're working on next. You know, I could like sworn to secrecy on a lot of that stuff, but (laughs) the the Excel secret sauce, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's great to see that they're passionate about this and they are listening. So like, I know if you use Excel on a day-to-day basis, you get frustrated with it. There's no doubt about it. And you wish it could be better. Um, But they are listening to those and working on them, you know, so it's, there's a lot of positive there. Yeah, and they've, I mean, there's been a lot of changes with, with 2016 coming out and the subscription model that allows them to do these pushes and make changes pretty quickly. There's been a lot of change over the last, publicly, the last few months once it launched in the fall. Right. What are you seeing uh, either working with the other MVPs or Microsoft or, or through the people who are taking your courses? What are you seeing in, the, in how the program is going to change, has changed, um, and how that's going to affect people's use of the tool. Well, yeah, it's, I think it's great because they are able to push out changes without us having to wait three years or six years or however long it takes to push out a, a brand new version. We haven't seen much of that yet with Excel, but I know they're working on pushing out new updates uh, pretty soon. So the right. next few months, we're going to see more and more updates. And I, to me, I think it's great because 
well, I should say there's not a lot of competition, but maybe, you know, you don't look at other spreadsheet tools versus Excel and choose which one you're going to use, right? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much you default to Excel. But this allows the program managers and the people behind Excel to get excited about the things they're working on because they're going to see the light of day in a matter of months versus a matter of years, yeah. you know? And a lot of times those features that we see, these great new features, just get canned before they even make it to the product. And then no one gets to actually see those. So... In that sense, I think it's really going to help change Excel, the future. And they're also really focused on pushing Excel onto all platforms. So right. we're not, you know, we could use Excel on the Mac. We can use it on iPad and all the Android devices, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's another huge push, which kind of aligns with, you know, even more of the Power BI stuff and, and those changes as well. We're kind of just inundated with data now. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and we want exposure to it everywhere, right? CEOs and CFOs of organizations want to be able to look at their visualizations, their reports, their dashboards on a plane, on their iPad, not have to be on their desktop, on, you know, their Excel to see these things. Yeah. So, so yeah. You, me you mentioned Power BI. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's I mean, I don't know if it signals a sea change, but I think it's a, it's a big step for Microsoft. And I'm particularly curious to hear what you think about it and also what you think it holds for the future of the whole Microsoft ecosystem and also how Microsoft is going to compete against some of the other, in particular, uh, data visualization tools. I mean, it allows you to do interactive visualizations yeah. much more easily. Much easier. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. I think it's a game changer, it, mm -hmm. it, or it has the potential to be. I'm an Excel geek guy, whatever, so <laughs> I'm obviously going to be in that camp no matter what. I don't work for Microsoft or anything like that, but I love the product, and I'm, I'm going to be a fan of it. Having said that, I've used other tools, so they're competing tools, even like Tableau and stuff, yep. and so I, I can see where this could really be a game changer, not just because people that know Excel can actually get involved with Power BI, but they've made it basically available to everyone. So you, can, you don't even have to have Excel to use Power BI and start creating visualizations. And so they're, they're very focused on developing this rapidly. I did a video, gosh, it's probably like, I don't even know if it was even six months ago now, I did a video on Power BI and just an overview of it. And I created this dashboard pulling in data from uh, my local ski resorts website for their mm -hmm. snowfall history, right? And then I connected to their Facebook page and pulled in all their Facebook posts and all that data and started to compare those. I mean, you make really basic analysis. When it's snowing, they post to Facebook more often right, right. than when it's dry. You don't even have to have Excel to, to start doing that kind of stuff. You can download Power BI desktop uh, version for free and do all that kind of stuff and create dashboards that you can share online. So as I look back at that video that's maybe six months old, Power BI has completely changed from what it was six months ago, like it, it, in a good way. It's, they've just mm -hmm. added so many features to it, and they're continuing to roll them out almost weekly, so, which is unheard of. So one of my goals for 2016 is really dig into Power BI and, and try to understand it. So my thought on, on Excel up to this point when it comes to interactive visualizations is you're pretty much stuck using the form controls or the ActiveX and you'd make a dashboard, you'd make some interactivity in your spreadsheet, but you had to send the file to someone else for them to be able to use it. Right. So my sense is that Power BI allows you to make the interactive visualizations much more easily, but also it allows you, if I'm not mistaken, to post things to the internet. Is that, is that right? That's right. Really, the interface is PowerBI.com, mm -hmm. um, which is just a website where you post your dashboards. And you can even create your dashboards 
on PowerBI.com. You don't necessarily need the desktop app. Mm -hmm. uh, just has more features and makes it easier. But then once you have created that dashboard, you can share it with anyone in your organization. Um, and, and they can go view it. You're just basically sending them a link to a web page. Yeah. And they can go view it and then interact with it as well, all on, you know, all on the website. So to drill down, to apply filters, those kinds of things they could do on uh, PowerBI.com. So when it comes to interacting with the entire ecosystem of Excel and Power BI, are they moving away from VBA to more of a JavaScript based? Is, is VBA sort of going to die off, not in terms of it won't exist, but are they not going to support it or advance it as much? Or how, how is all this going to play out over the next, I mean, <laughs> the way things are going the next <laughs> six months, but let's say the next few years? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I don't think VBA will ever die. Mm -hmm. uh, that, and that might just be my own opinion. Uh, but it's just so heavily relied on by organizations around the world. That said, and they are continuing to support VBA. VBA is supported in Excel 2016, mm -hmm. and they're continuing to support it. So it's, it's not dying by any means. Uh, there is JavaScript apps and add-ins that you can create as well. Uh, and they're, wor they're definitely working on changing towards that model because uh, they want Excel to be available on every platform. Yeah. And so you can't really run VBA on an iPad. Um, right. And there's going to be people that argue that you could, you know, mm -hmm. and that it would be fine to do that. However, you know, it's, it makes sense for them to, to use uh, JavaScript for right. this kind of stuff. So that will be a major player in this going forward. And especially with PowerBI.com, that's, you know, mostly JavaScript uh, right. uh, powered there and you can even it's very open source too you could even uh design your own visuals if you know javascript you can write your own visuals wow and yeah so which yeah. is really cool and and also they will open up the content packs as well which means if you're an organization that produces data or you just have data that you want to connect to power bi you can create your own connector mm -hmm. to power bi so uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different. I think it's it's really changing the the whole Microsoft structure is really changing to being a lot more open, mm -hmm. a lot more flexible, and uh, and people are excited about it. Yeah, and so how do you think this then compares now? Or is probably a better question is how it's going to compare to other tools that do sort of similar things. And I guess the obvious one is is Tableau, but there's also other ones like Plotly and High Charts and some of these other tools. I mean, some of them have varying levels of complexity, but. Do you see sort of Excel getting more into sort of Tableau's space with these new tools? Yeah, I would think so. I think there's, you know, to, to really break it down, I, I actually work for a company that uses Tableau. Mm -hmm. We use Excel a lot as well. And the models are definitely different. I mean, Tableau is obviously a very expensive, high-end product. It does some things really well. Um, and Power BI is definitely catching up to that. You know, mm -hmm. they might not have all those features yet, uh, but they have a different way of, of going about getting your data into Power BI and also how it's served. And you can basically, you can keep the data on wherever it's actually stored now and just refresh it uh, by pulling it in to your data, or into your visualization. So yeah. there's some different technologies there that will that will change how it works. But I think you're, what you're going to see is that since Power BI is free, you can, you can expose a lot more people in the organization to it. You know, right now in my organization, we can't necessarily go just have, give everyone access to be a Tableau designer yeah. you know, or even, even everyone on the finance team right. uh, bec or the marketing team because of the, the, the licensing costs. Right. Very prohibitive. But everyone has Excel and everyone yes. could get free Power BI, obviously. 
Exactly. Right. And so that so then you don't you don't necessarily yeah, I think when you start to even if you just start to mess around with Power BI and create a little dashboard here or something that might, you know, save you a little time, you're not invested in it and you're not expected to have to like produce something to create a return on that investment. Yeah as quickly as you would be with a paid product. So I think you're going to see a lot of people adopting it and mm-hmm. using it um, if it's accessible and marketed properly, you know. And that's one thing that's the paid, you know, the Tableaus and those other tools have going for them is they have a team of people that are going to take you out to lunch and tell you how great their software is <laughs> and, and, uh, and expose you to it, right? And right. give you demos and stuff. And, and that's probably not going to happen with a free tool like yeah. Power BI. So you're going to have people that, you know, within the organizations, you're going to have these people that uh, are going to be the Excel geeks and those, and those guys like me that are going to really have to go promote it and market it within the organization mm-hmm. to, to get people to adopt it. So, right. yeah. Um, well, so before we wrap up, so we've talked about the future of, of, of Excel and Power BI. I'm wondering what, um, what does the next year or two hold in store for um, Excel Campus and for the sort of things that you're working on? Yeah, great question. So I've, um, I have a course on VBA uh, that I launched last year, and I have another course on the lookup formulas as well, like VLOOKUP, like the one we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have uh, ideas for a few more courses as well that will be coming out in 2016. And, uh, and of course, I have the YouTube channel I work on, and then I publish articles and blog posts um, just for free tips and tricks like that. So that can all be found on my newsletter as well. So great. Just, yeah. So that's, and, and Power BI as well. I think, like you said, I'm, yeah. I'm going to start diving into it a lot more. Yeah, and, seems, seems, seems like it would be a natural thing to show up on your site. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, it's just, it's like, it's so hard to write about it because the moment you publish something, it's changed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a challenge for people. And, and it's the same thing with sort of the core functions of, of the 2016 package is as soon as you write something, they are going to change it or they're going to fix it if there's a problem or they're going to put something else out. So, um, for good and for bad, I guess. Yeah. You just, it's fine. It's just yeah. like any other software tool. Right. You just got to keep right. up with it. Keep up with it. Great. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, John, thanks for coming on the show. This was really interesting. And uh, good luck this year. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what's going to come out of your shop. Same to you. Thank you, John. I really appreciate being here. Great. And thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening. Again, if you have questions or comments, please hit me up on Twitter or on the website. And please rate the show on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Policy Viz Podcast. This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by the Maryland Institute College of Art. MICA's online graduate program in information visualization trains designers and analysts to translate data into compelling visual narratives. Join expert faculty such as Andy Kirk, Marissa Peacock, and John Schwabish to mine the data and design the story. For more information, go to mica.edu backslash MPS invis.